Hello, I'm Di Redmond, and I'm your host for this season's Songs in the Wilderness. In this programme, we listen to the songs that have influenced our guests throughout their life and have influenced their faith too. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Father Joseph Raju Katula from South India. So right now, I think you're talking to us from central London, um, from Eccleston Square, I think. Nice to have you on the programme, Father Joseph. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everybody and all the listeners. Nice. Uh, thank you for the invitation you know, to be part of this uh, great ministry and the great programme that you have, Songs in the Wilderness. I'm happy to uh, be with you all. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. So, um, reading through your biog, Father, you were born in 1986 and studied at a state school in your own village until year 10. Tell me about your early life. Yes, you have said, uh, or as you have announced, uh, that I come from South India. I come from a village called Kuala Venu, which is uh, in the southern part of India, a state called Andhra Pradesh. And the closest city is Vijayawada. As you know, India is hot, but my place during summer, it can be very, very hot. It can get till 47 to 48 lately during summer. You know, you can make your top oil omelette even, you know, easily. So it's a very hot place. That's where I come from. And it's well known for spicy food and so on. Born in a small village but uh, it was you wouldn't believe that we have 14 different denominations of christian you know small groups the protestant groups and the various uh, you know communities that are there and lots of hindus as well lots of muslims so it's a kind of very mixed uh, interreligious village but but people are so friendly you know get along with each other so well that's the village that i come from fully surrounded by lots of nature and did That's you, wh- which group did you belong to? Which which religious group did you belong to? Were you always, uh, were you a cradle Catholic or, or, or what? Yeah, I was, I was born Catholic. My parents were Catholic. And uh, yeah, I was born in a Catholic family. Uh, uh, yeah, but, and, you know, there were some other groups, you know, that is the kind of, you know, surroundings that I grew up with. And were they converted to Catholicism or uh, what, what was their background? Uh, from my grandparents' uh, generation, from my mother's side, they were Catholics. I can't even trace uh, from how long. Because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, in their village, they have the tradition of uh, St. Francis Xavier Peace, which is celebrated, you know, who was the greatest missionary. And uh, we had been celebrating the feast for more than 100 years. You know, a couple of years ago, they have celebrated centenary celebration there. So which means like it dates back, you know, the Christianity in that village dates back to quite, uh, you know, ancient times. And uh, my dad's side, they were, you know, not Catholics, but they were, uh, you know, from, you know, Christian community, a Protestant group. But my dad, yeah, he was um, he was a Catholic. Um, from my dad's generation, yes, we are um, Catholic from both the sides. And and did you always have really from being very young a, a strong desire to become a priest? Yeah, I mean, one good thing is like um, uh, in the school during those days, they always used to ask, uh, what do you want to be when you are young? Like, you know, what do you want to be? And every student used to, my companions, my friends, they used to get up and say like, you know, I want to be a police officer. I someone want to be a 
uh, engineer, somebody wanted to be a doctor and a nurse, whereas myself, I was the only one who used to probably in the whole of my school, uh, which was the school for the, all the villages in the neighborhood as well. Like uh, I used to say that I want to be a priest and everybody used to, even the teachers who were sometimes not Catholics, they used to wonder and ask what does it involve and you know they used to be so curious about knowing it but I myself didn't have any clue you know uh, I used to just say that and uh, that was the desire that I used to have and another thing is like during summer holidays we used to have the seminarians and the nuns who were in training to come to the villages oh, to yes. visit the families and so on and they too because looking at my desire and my you know, being participative in all the activities in the church, uh, they used to say sometimes, oh, look at this boy. He seems, uh, he looks like as though he's going to be a priest in future. And I used to be very happy inside, you know. Oh, I was going because to ask you, was that embarrassing or did you actually embrace it? I did really embrace it. I used to feel shy sometimes because mm. I am having this kind of, uh, you know, curiosity uh, which is completely different from the rest of the, you know, young of my friends, you know, at the school. But yeah, I always loved it. But especially I, I used to love it uh, whenever these seminarians or the priests, whenever they come I, or in the church, if the priest is asking for any questions, I used to be so curious in answering mm-hmm. or you say a particular words of the, you know, what, what does it mean? Like, you know, I used to be so curious and uh, very enthusiastic about answering those questions. But it's wonderful that God was moving in you at such a very young age. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't believe from my family background, uh, you know, I was the fourth child of uh, my parents uh, and I have one more younger brother who is in India. Uh, interestingly, they, uh, I mean, I never got to know the previous three children, my siblings, you know, who was, first one was a uh, son and the second two, second and the third were uh, daughters, they all died even before I was born. Oh, God, so, that's awful. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, my parents always told me because I can very much feel till today how much of pain that they must have gone through or grieving, you know, because uh, the first one was born, he was looking healthy and everything was good. And one day he happened to fall sick. He was having fever and they took him to the local doctor who said like he gave some kind of medication and he said like, you know, everything is going to be all right. But uh, by the end of the day, he died. And I mean, before before he was uh, dead, like they took the picture, you know, in 1980s and so on, you know, having a picture was something so great, like, you know, black mm-hmm. and white, mom alone with the baby, dad alone with the baby, and sometimes baby alone and three of them together. And mm-hmm. they got it home and they showed it to everybody. Oh. And everybody liked it. And uh, once the funeral was over, they started to look back on what went wrong. Mm-hmm. And they thought, is because of taking the picture probably it is it is what is causing you know those kind of superstitions and so on and they decided hereafter we are not going to have any pictures of the future children so i don't have any childhood memories (laughs) at all (laughs) that's that's so sad and so tragic yeah and i used to grow up with the kind of um feeling like if i appear in picture i'm going to die you know that kind of (laughs) and the first picture that i ever had was with the bishop you know who came to my parish and I went to felicitate him with uh, a bunch of flowers and uh, the photographer unknowingly, he clicked it and I got to understand, okay, you know, I didn't you even lived. post it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You lived to tell the tale. Oh, well, they yeah. must have adored you, the, the fourth child who survived. That must have been such a relief and a blessing for them. Yeah, it was. It was very much. Uh, well, and I'm, another thing. I'm yeah. very glad that you survived, Father. 
Now, can you um can you introduce your first song, a fabulous hymn? Can you explain why this is so precious to you? Yeah, I mean this song. I mean not that I grew up listening to the English music because English I learned only after joining the seminary. Uh, but uh, when I was in novitiate, which was in uh, northeast India, like there was an ordination, and they wanted us to present some kind of uh, you know a small skit. So I reflected about it, and we as a group, and uh, there was the scene is like where God the Father is like you know gathering with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and all the superiors of various congregations who were there, different religious leaders. You know, God is so upset that, you know, there is so much of violence, so much of destruction happening in the world and he wants to send somebody as a messenger. And Jesus comes forward saying that, Father, I am not, you know, I don't mind going back again. But uh, God is going to say, God the Father is going to say, no, son, you have uh, worked enough, you have gone and you have, you know, conveyed the message and you have suffered enough. I don't want you to suffer again, you know, mm -hmm. stay back. Mm -hmm. um, and the second, you know, yes, uh, yes. Peace. in the same way. So whenever I listen to this piece of music, I feel that, you know, I am being called and I am asking for my call. Lovely. Let's hear it. My hand will say. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Here
So, Father Joseph, when you were quite young, um, well, I'm not sure what age you were when you joined the ceremony at the local diocese of Vijawada. How old were you at that point? I was uh, 19. Oh, very young. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you started your training as a priest. Was that an easy transition? It sounds like you've been waiting all your life for it, actually. But I just wondered how many interviews you had to get through in order to be accepted. Was it was it really quite was it stressful? Um, it, I mean, it's not just one sitting interview as such. You know, during the time of a formation of a priest, you get to you know the, by the formators you are. Uh, being assessed, you know, throughout, you know, uh, throughout your formation in the initial formation and so on. So I was there for four years. Uh, that's where uh, the seeds of my vocation were sown in my heart, in my life. It was a kind of very important uh, moment of my life. Uh, I mean, English wasn't my language and uh, it was there that I learned, you know, the first days, in the first few days of my seminary life, you know, the regent who was teaching one of our teacher, he gave Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary and asked me to search for a particular word, you know, to, uh, to search for the meaning. And I was wondering, like, such a big book, much bigger than uh, the Holy Bible, where am I going to find this one single <laughs> word? Because I never came across such a big book in my life. And I was like, just probably imagine a word search, you starting with yes, you know, I'm searching in the first few pages and rest of them, they were all laughing because they knew that, you know, I had no clue of what uh, a dictionary is. So thanks be to God, like the Lord has worked, you know, wonderful things. When I look back into my life, I can very well say that it was the Lord who called me uh, I had these excuses like, you know, I don't know how to speak like uh, Moses and uh, Jeremiah, all these people, I'm a small. And I used to like when we had to read the Bible in English standing before every every dinner, before the supper, we used mm -hmm. to have the practice of reading the Bible before uh, we have our dinner. So like I used to shiver, you know, because I used to think like, do I really, am I really fit for uh, being a priest or not, because I used to shiver and have the stammering problem and so on. So I used to come and think to myself and tell to God in my prayer, you know, probably I'm not, you know, oh. but the Lord, uh, but the Lord, uh, you know, when I look back, I can, I can very well say that the Lord has blessed me a lot. But you were very humble in your heart. It must have been an awful um, separation for your parents. I mean, you being so sort of precious to them and and then suddenly you decide I'm going away, you know, having waited yeah. so long for you. Did they, were they very proud? Um, they were, I mean, my parents, I think my dad, when I was still in the womb, because he, they lost three different children. So it seems while I was still in the womb, um, my dad in his personal prayer at one point, he said like, beat a boy or a girl, I'm going to offer the baby to the service of the Lord, which he never told me. But I always also grew up with the same desire. Mm -hmm. So when I completed my schooling, when I told my parents, you know, dad was happy, but not mother, you know, because, you know, after losing the three children, it is almost equal that you are going to lose another because you're never going to be there for them anymore. And you did a uh, lot of traveling too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because um, isn't didn't didn't after at what point during your training were you uh, then sent off to Spain, and again another uh, language you had to learn. It's incredible. You must have a real gift for languages. 
Oh, bless you. It, well, probably not. It's the Lord's hand and it's him. Like in, I mean, I joined the Claritians in 2008 and um, uh, then I did my, you know, minor seminary um, uh, one year in Hyderabad and uh, I went to Bangalore to do my philosophy and I did one year in uh, novitiate in the Darjeeling. And I was doing the Regency in a minor seminary in Belgium, which is close to Goa which most of you may be aware of. And I was asked to go to Spain by my major superior, the Father General, who was at that time, who asked two of the seminarians who could go to Spain to learn Spanish, to do the theology there, one to remain there and work, and another one to come to UK and work. You know? uh, while I was learning about the martyrs of our congregation and about our, our own congregation, which is a Spanish-born congregation, uh, I used to pray like at least once in a lifetime, let me go there to see the birthplace of uh, Father Claret, you know, who is our founder and the martyrs who were cl- killed, you know, during the Civil War time, you know, 51 of them. Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know about these. What, the martyrs were killed during the Spanish Civil War? Yeah, because uh, the clashes that they had, you know, the, yes. they were very much against the um, uh, Catholic Church and our congregation has lost lots of them, especially in a seminary where there were lots of students who were aspiring to be priests. Mm-hmm. They were all killed along with their formators and so on. So I just wanted to go at least once in a lifetime, but I was uh, I was praying. But, uh, you know, within a year, I get a calling saying that you're going there, not just for a few days to visit and come back, but remain there to learn the language and to do the studies. And I was happy at uh, one point, but at the same time, like, oh, my God, it's going to be a new culture, new Absolutely. country, new you know yeah but uh, and so you just (laughs) you just got english under your belt you just got the dictionary under your belt and you were away on a winner and then suddenly bang you're off to spain with an an entirely new culture but a wonderful culture fabulous fabulous culture did you did you grab it right away or were you a bit a bit daunted i mean you know being a priest and missionary priest sometimes uh not sometimes we have this uh, wow of obedience you know we mm-hmm. just made i just made in 2012 my first profession which means that you know i'm going to i'm saying that i will obey whatever the superiors decide for me you know mm-hmm. uh, of and course. i can't say yes. no you know and uh, our father provincial at the time father james is who said like go home get ready with your passport and get the visa and you are going there you know we have decided that so and so um, is going so that's why that was uh, I embraced it. I was very happy, and uh, it was a wonderful experience living there four years uh, in Spain. Were you the only Indian there? We were four Indians in our community. We have a, in, a multicultural community, international formative community in Colombia. We are close to Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh right. Where, yeah, we, we had students from, uh, four of us were from India. We had uh, two and later on two others joined from Indonesia. We had, uh, you know, students from uh, Vietnam. We had from China. We had some local, you know, Spanish. Um, so people from different uh, countries as well, very international it was. It, it sounds fantastic. It really does. And and also, uh, clearly, this is why you've chosen um, this lovely, your second choice. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, the second piece of music, probably you may know, uh, we have the same version in um, English as well. 
But whenever I heard this song, Pescador de Hombres, you know, it is such a beautiful hymn, you know, which is to like, the Lord is looking at you, you know, smiling at you and calling you, you know, the, those beautiful words of calling, you know. And uh, I always liked the music and I felt very much, you know, I identified myself very much and uh, it's a beautiful piece of music. Can't wait to hear it. Has venido a la orilla, no has buscado ni a sabios ni a ricos, tan solo quieres que yo te siga, Señor, me has mirado. was Pescador de Hombres. Our music choices this morning have been chosen by my guest, Father Joseph Raju Katula from India. So at what point did you leave Spain in order to come to the UK to work as a priest here? So I moved to Spain in 2013 to start to learn Spanish, uh, which was for about eight months and later do the theology in the University of Comillas, which was uh, run by uh, the Jesuits. Thanks be to God, I managed to finish in three years, then moved here 
as soon as I finished my studies there in 2017. Oh, another uh, huge change. Yeah. Do, do you, the, the, are you, by this time, are you getting used to moving around? Are you expecting it all the time? Is it just part of the job? Oh, at that time, my brothers here, the Claritians, they used to tell me whenever I had my Christmas holiday or summer holiday to come over here to spend some time here to get to know the place and the people and our missions, you know, so that it doesn't be a kind of like a drastic change or a, or a sudden shock or anything. Mm -hmm. So I used to come once in a while. So it was not the first time. In 2014, I came just for 20 days. Later on in 2000, every year I used to come and go. So it was not a kind of sudden, um, uh, you know, shift from Spain to here. But I used to make uh, short visits earlier. Uh, but that, but then afterwards, you finally settled here when you were ordained. I think in the parish of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Was that was I, that in Hayes? Yeah, that is in Hayes, Immaculate Heart of Mary. We have been present in that parish uh, since 1912. Uh, the Claritian missionaries from Spain had come the first presence and first arrival of the Claritians into England to work as missionaries was in 1912. And since then, we had been here and we have two more communities. We used to have more other uh, missions here, the parishes and so on. But right now, we are uh, working in three different places. One is in Hayes, one is in East London, which is um, in Leighton, and another one is in Cambridgeshire. Some of you must have heard Bugden Towers. Oh, yes, you know, of where course. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So that, 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 that's also one of our mission. That's our house. We work there. And uh, these are the three places. And that's it. And I was ordained as deacon by the then, uh, uh, you know, area bishop. He was the auxiliary bishop of Westminster, Bishop John Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the first experience for both of us, for him to ordain somebody and for me to get ordained, you know. Well, that's what that's how he described himself, you know, uh, during the formula, if you still remember. And uh, he, I was meant to be ordained as priest as well here in England in the same parish. The date was fixed and bishop was ready and all the preparation was underway. But uh, my parents were not granted the visa to come over here. So we decided and, uh, you know, my brothers as well, that it is good that I go to India to get ordained as priest because anybody can miss not the parents. So I went to India. Oh, I see. In the you know, I got ordained in my own local parish, you know, by the bishop, uh, Joseph Rajarao, you know, who was, who is also from my own parish. And my dad and his dad was so good friends. So uh, oh, it was a lovely, yeah. That and his dad was the first catechist of my village. So we have a special bond as well over there. Oh, um, you must have had such a wonderful day with all the family and, and the village and yes. your community. Yeah, we did. We did have wonderful celebration over there. Oh, oh, makes me feel quite envious. Um, so um, tell us about your third piece of music, Mary, Did You Know? Before, I mean, as we look at uh, the beautiful mus uh, music, sometimes, you know, we have some videos made out of it as well. Like Mary, probably did she know what, she, what was going to happen to her and to her own beloved son? You know, in the same way, before I became ordained as priest, like, I, I asked myself, did you know that you are going to do this? Did you know that you are going to meet this place uh, or meet these people? Did you know that you are going to be asked to do so and so thing? Like, you know, we never have any clue of what the future is going to hold for us, isn't it? And what the Lord has in plan for us, you know. But when we leave, uh, 
life into the hands of the lord he knows you know the theme that i always like from the biblical figure is that like the clay in the potter's hand you know if he let you know the potter to mold us he knows which shape way to bend way to amend way to pull it back again you know redo it and so on so in the in the same way you know it, it's a beautiful piece of music which always speaks a lot to me it is lovely thank you Mary did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water Mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you child that you delivered will soon deliver you Mary did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand did you know Now, Father Joseph, tell me about your another enormous task, um, the National Office of Vocations, which you uh, run or involved with in London. I started to work here in the National Office for Vocation since uh, 9th of uh, January, very recent. Like this is my third week here in the office. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, we have a team of members here. Um, Sister Ellen, who is the director of, uh, you know, the National Office for Vocation, James, and uh, we have uh, other few members. And I work as religious life promoter, 
my role is to promote and coordinate with all the vocation directors of various congregations and the communities, both for men and women. Um, and so what we try to do is we, we try to um, create the culture of vocation, you know, to make everyone feel that they are called. Oh, Sometimes right. when we talk about vocation, we tend to think that, oh, vocation is meant for the priests and the religious, you know, nothing to do with me. You know, it's not like that. That if you know, vocation, the word itself, you know, the roots of it, it means like to be called, you know, to be called. So each and every one of us are called. You know, what are you called to be? You are, you know, doing a wonderful ministry to make the listen, listeners, uh, you know, to understand about the word of God, about different, you know, you are able to communicate. And some of us are called to be priests, some of us are to be religious, some of us, some of them to call to be a doctor, a pilot, mm -hmm. you know, every walk of life is important, you know, there's mm -hmm. nothing, to say. God is calling us, but what are you called to be, you know, that we listen to the voice of the Lord and we respond to it generously, and, you know, th th that is the ministry that we have here. Yeah, at the National Office for Vocation. But because, as we know, there is a lack of uh, religious vocation, um, which I, I think actually is 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 not, I've, what I've said is not quite so accurate these days. I think there is a slight rise in vocations from what I've heard. Um, but yeah. isn't there always like a um, uh, such a huge demand that sometimes you jump the gun and think, Oh, I'm sure this guy will be all right, or I'm sure this this woman will be all right, because you want to pull people into the fold and have more priests and have more women dedicated to God. How do you sieve that process? No congregation will worry about the numbers. What we worry about is the quality and not the quantity. You know, yes, uh, yes. That's what we need to remember. You know, because. Um, that's what, and of course, uh, during the time of the formation, uh, both the formators and you know the candidate who is getting formed as well, form and the as well will have the time to discern and see whether you know they are right, uh, you know, for the community uh, that they are you know promising themselves or that they want to be part of, or also the congregation that they want to be or the diocese that they want to be also to be part of as well. You know, they discern. I mean, it's it's. I think. Uh, sometimes I feel to be a priest or to be a religious, the, the longest training that we ever have is for this profession. You know? mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, And uh, surely God will, from various circumstances and uh, through our day-to-day -day life, we will get to understand uh, and discern and come to conclusion uh, uh, to take the next step forward. Mm. How did you go about this process during the pandemic because you couldn't interview anybody apart from on zoom yeah that's true that's uh, very interesting during the time of the pandemic um, of course i didn't start my job as at the national office of course, for yeah. mm. i was working in the parish of immaculate heart of mary which is at botwell you know in hayes as priest and during the time of pandemic as a priest i had lots of challenges like you know the number of people dying, you know, number of people like because we are close to Heathrow Airport, we have lots oh, of yeah. inflow of immigrants, you know, because of which, like, you know, sometimes people can't afford to have their own individual house and individual rooms. You know, sometimes uh, from my experience, I know that there are people like in one single room, like the whole family living together mm -hmm. and they are sharing 
in house. You know, because of that, you know, during the time of the pandemic, because of the COVID, the way it was, and it used to be very difficult for the people to um, uh, keep apart from one another, and it was spreading so widely. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes at the cremation, the organizers, the undertakers, and they, them a lot, they used to. Uh, comment to me saying, Father, you seem to be more often here at the crematorium, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the after uh, late afternoon, three times a day, you are coming here more than being in your own church, which used to be true. You know, it was the number of people that were dying at that time uh, and the people not able to afford for the daily needs like uh, the food. And so we started the food bank mm -hmm. you know, in the parish. Uh, responding to the needs of the people and so on, and which which lasted for about uh, fifteen months, you know. Oh, we that long! It went on for that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness. With, without any plan again, you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's not like the previous hymn. Like, did you know, Mary? Did you know? You know, I asked myself, Joseph, did you know? You, you would know, never. No nobody could ever have known what was coming. Nobody. And well, uh, well, the scientists obviously did, yeah. but. That that period in the world was it just changed us all around, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really did. We're coming up to your final piece of music. I could talk to you all day long, but um, I must stop and let you introduce this wonderful piece, this wonderful hymn. Yeah, you raised me up mm -hmm. first time I um, uh, listened to this piece of music. I thought it's a kind of uh, you know secular piece of music, but uh, one of our retreat preacher. Uh, in Spain, when he explained to us about uh, the meaning of, you know, it is the Lord raising you up, you know, you may be falling down and so on, you know, that he's raising you up, he's keeping on his shoulders, you know, so it's the Lord, you are being touched by the Lord, that feeling of itself, like, you know, when you fall, you are sitting down there crying, but the Lord touching you, raising you up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. Thank God for that. <laughs>
Father Joseph Raju Katula, it's been an absolute joy talking to you this morning. Fascinating to hear what you've said and the, and your many journeys, so powerful. Uh, thank you for, for allowing us to talk to you this morning. Thank you, Dee, and thanks to Radio Maria for having me this morning. And it's wonderful, you know, it's always wonderful to talk and share the mighty works of the Lord uh, to all the people. You know? And one invitation that I give you is that the listeners, if you see anybody, you think that they are, you know, having a special calling to be a priest or religious, you know, or a doctor, or whatever it is, when you see a particular talent in someone, please do appreciate them, encourage them to respond to that calling that they have received. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today for Songs in the Wilderness. Goodbye for now. Thank you. Praise me up to more than I.